Parsha begins, verse 1 of chapter 16, Vayikach Korach, Korach took. The verse, surprisingly, does not tell us what he took. Vayikach Korach, Rashi will address that. But it does tell us who he was. Ben Yitzhar, he's the son of Yitzhar, he's the, who was in turn the son of Kihat, who in turn was the son of Levi. The verse doesn't tell us this, but I'll tell you that Levi in turn is the son of Jacob. Rashi will address why it goes back to Levi, but then not to Jacob. Who else? Vidatan Vaviram, these two characters, Das and Aviram, who we know from the past, they always making trouble for Moses. B'nai Eliab, they were the sons of Eliab. And one more person, V'on ben Peles, On the son of Peles, B'nai Ruvain, all of these, the son of Aviram and On ben Peles, all of these were the sons of Ruvain. They were from the tribe of Ruvain. As it translates here, descendants of Ruvain, not actually the sons of Ruvain. Now, very interestingly, on ben Pelas is mentioned here, but he's not mentioned again in the story. The Midrash tells us that he initially was joining up with Korach with his rebellion. But thanks to his wife, On ben Pelas' wife convinced him out of this whole story. In contrast to Korach, whom the Midrash says was influenced by his wife to start the rebellion. So it tells you the power of a spouse. Let's look at Rashi. What does it mean he took? What did he take? Says Rashi, he took himself to one side to be divided from the congregation to to contest, to raise questions about the priesthood, namely the fact that Aharon had been appointed as the high priest. And Rashi cites support for this interpretation of, and he took, meaning he took himself. He cites that from Onkelos, the Aramaic translation, which says, v'ispelag, which means that he separated himself from the rest of the congregation, lahachzik b'machloket, to maintain and persist in a dispute. Now Rashi gives a second interpretation. He says, v'yikach koirach, means he took, not he took himself, but he took others. And we've seen this several times in Rashi in the past, that whenever it says he taking a person, it means to take them with persuasive words. Here too, he took the heads of the Sanhedrin, bidvarim with words, and convinced them to join his cause. Now Rashi in the second Rashi addresses why Yaakov is not mentioned. Goes all the way back and then stops right before mentioning that Levi is the son of Yaakov. And it says that 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 Yaakov had, had requested and prayed to God for mercy. In other words, he's, Jacob prophetically saw that his descendant Korach is going to engage in this mutiny, in this rebellion. And he says, when you mention in the Torah Korach's lineage, leave me out of it. And this was, when did he say this? He said this during, when, at the, in Parshas Vayechi, the last Parsha of Genesis, where he's giving his last word and testament to his children, where he's blessing them, but also rebuking them. When he talks to Shimon and Levi, he, he mentions, I don't want to be included in their congregation, in their ganging up on Moses. 
But however, Rashi points out that in Divrei Hayamim, in the book of Chronicles, in a positive sense, it does mention, when it talks about the sons of Korach, it talks about Abiyasaf, who was the son of Korach, who was the son of Yitzhar, who was the son of Kahas, who was the son of Levi, the son of Israel, which is Jacob. Now Rashi, in the third Rashi explains, why did these particular people, Dasa Naviram and the, the other the Onben Pelas, the children, the descendants of Reuven, why was it particularly the tribe of Reuven that get involved with this? They're not Levites. So why would, and the, why would they get involved with this fight? So some commentators say that Reuven has, that the descendants of Reuven have their own bone to pick, so to speak, which is that he was the firstborn, Reuven was the firstborn. And so as descendants of Reuven, they had some resentment that they had been left out of this whole story, hadn't been appointed to anything. But Rashi takes a different approach. And he says the reason that the descendants of Reuven were getting involved over here was because of proximity, because of the fact that they dwelled next to the son, the children of Kahat. And as we've seen in Rashi in, in the earlier Parshas, I believe in Parshas Bamidbar or Parshas Naso, um, when you are, when you are uh, neighbors to, to somebody, if your neighbors to a holy person, that's going to rub off on you in a good way. If your neighbors, you're hanging out with people of lesser character, that could rub off on you as well. And that's what happens with the descendants of Reuven who are neighbors of Kehat. They got involved with Korach and his machloket. In the words of Rashi, Oi Lerosha, woe to the wicked. Oi Lishchenoi, woe is to his neighbor. Now Rashi now addresses what exactly triggered, trigger is a big word these days, what triggered Korach, what did he see, says Rashi, what did he see to argue and fight with Moshe, says Rashi, he became jealous over the fact that Eli Tzafan, the son of Uziel, was appointed as the Nasi, was appointed as the leader of the tribe of Levi. As we see in the verse, Korach was the son of Yitzhar, who was the son of Kahat. Now, Kahat had four sons. I'll just mention two of them. The two oldest ones were Amram and Yitzhar. Amram is the father of Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Yitzhar, the next son, is the father of Korach. So what does that make Korach and Moses? They're cousins. And the other two sons of Kahas, Hebron and Uziel, when it came to appointing a leader for the tribe of Levi, Korah said, it should be me. I should be the leader of the tribe of Levi because I am the son of the second oldest son of Kehat. But that didn't happen. Moshe instead appointed Elitzafan, the son of Uziel, who was the fourth son of Kehat. And this is what created a jealousy on behalf on, on, in, in, Kahat, in, in Korah's heart. Omar Korah, so Korah said, the brothers of my father, there's a total of four. There's a total of four brothers. Amram, the firstborn, two of his sons took greatness. Moshe, the leadership. One became the king and one became the Kohen Gadol. So who should take the, the second? Shouldn't it be me? I'm the son of Yitzhar, who is the second son of Amram. And yet, who did Moshe appoint? He appointed his his um, he appointed the son of the youngest Uziel. Says Korach, I'm going to fight with him and nullify his words. So what did he do? How did he go about 
how did he go about this? He got up and he gathered 250 heads of the Sanhedrin, most of them from the tribe of Ruvain, his neighbors. And they are Elitzur ben Shdeur. Elitzur ben Shdeur, you will remember his name. This is one of the leaders. When we talked about the Nasim, the 12 uh, gifts that they brought, the wagons and so forth, and Parshas Naso, it goes through all the leaders of each tribe. And Elitzur ben Shdeur is one of them. And his colleagues, meaning, as Urbano Bahai explains, the other leaders of the tribe. So we're talking about really great people. As it says, Nisie Eda, in the next verse, it's going to say, the leaders of the tribe. And what does he do with all of them? He he dresses them in shawls, in the talus, that are made fully of techeles, fully of blue wool. And we learned yesterday in the Parsha, and we learned it on Friday, but it was yesterday's Parsha, that the tzitzis have to have one string of blue. So he dresses them in shawls that are completely in blue. And they come and they stand in front of Moses and they say to him, Moses, we have a question for you. Rabbi, I have a question. A talis that is completely blue, blue wool. Does it require, tzitzis, does it require the fringes on each corner or is it exempt? Moshe said to them, it requires tzitzis just like any other garment. So they began laughing at him and they said, is it possible that if you have a talis of a different type, of a different color, and you just take one blue string and that exempts the entire shawl. So if you have a shawl that is completely made of techeles, of blue wool, shouldn't it exempt itself? So what were they doing over here? What they were doing is poking holes in Moshe's leadership. And interestingly, they're not saying that there's no such thing as tzitzit, even though they heard this from Moses. They didn't say that tzitzit in general is, they don't believe in tzitzit. No, they accept the concept of tzitzit. But they are suggesting that Moshe is making up the particulars, the specifics of the laws. And so what they're saying is God teaches Moses about tzitzit, but he's making up the particulars of the law, and they're making fun of that. And by extension, they're saying God wants there to be a Kohen Gadol, but he didn't say that it should be Aharon the Kohen. Another point that they're saying, they're saying is we'll soon see that they say uh, the all of the all of the nation is holy. Why do you make yourselves greater? They're hinting to that also when they say the entire cloak is wool. That the entire people are are holy. We don't require leaders. Um, we don't require leaders represented by the tzitzit. Verse 2, so they get up in front of Moses, and the 250 men of the children of Israel, the leaders of the congregation, representatives of the assembly, the ones who are summoned, men of repute. Shame means literally a name. Shame means men of repute. And they gather on Moses and Aaron and they say to them, Rav Lochem. You take too much upon yourselves. The entire congregation is holy. And God is within the people. Why do you raise yourselves above the congregation of God? Rashi says, what does it mean? You take too much upon yourselves. You took more um, than, than far too much greatness for yourselves. You took the kahuna, you took the kingship. 
What did they mean when they said, Kulam Kedoshim, all the people are holy? They meant, Kulam Shamu Dvarim Sinai. Everybody heard the words at Sinai, Mipi Hagvura, from the Almighty. Why do you raise yourselves? If you took kingship, you shouldn't have chosen your brother for the Kuhuna. You are not the only ones who heard at Sinai, I am the Lord your God. The entire congregation heard it. Now, as we learned, we learned on Friday, um, the first two commandments were heard by the entire people. So they're referencing that. The fact that they didn't hear the other eight, they're quiet about that. Vayishma Moshe, Moshe hears this. Vayipal upon of, he falls upon his face. Why does he fall upon his face? Says Rashi, because now there was a rebellion. And Rashi here will say that this is the fourth time that the Jewish people are making trouble. And now, as Rashi says, his hands became weak. Rashi goes through it. He says, this is the fourth sirchoin. The, the, the fourth offense literally means spoiling. The first one is the golden calf. What did he do? They sinned to the calf. Moshe beseeches God. When the Jewish people are kvetching about the meat, Moshe prays. When the spies, what happens? Moshe says to God, the Egyptians are going to hear about it. So he defends the people. Now we have a fourth one. When the machlokes of Koirach comes, machloket means the the argument. Nisrash of his hands became weak. Rashi gives a metaphor. He says there was a prince who caught, made an offense against his father, and he got as we had in Olson Rashi last week that he gets the father's friend and confidant to appease the king on behalf of the prince. He does it once. Happens again, happens a third time. When he makes messes up the fourth time, now this confidant who keeps going to the king, his hands are weakened. Four strikes, you're out. Omar, he says, Ad Mosai Atriach Al Hamelech. For how long am I going to burden the king? Shemali Kabbalah Bimeni. There's only a certain amount I can go to him. Maybe this time he'll no longer accept my petition. So he says to Koirach, Moshe says to Koirach and to his, and to his congregation saying, Boiker in the morning. Why the morning? We'll see. Hashem God will make known who is to him, meaning who are the Levites, as Rashi explains. And who is the Holy One, namely who is the Kohen. And he will draw them near to him. And that the one that he chooses well, he will draw near to him. Why does he say in the morning? Why can't it happen right now? Says Rashi, Ato Shikrus. Right now, it's people have had their, their lunch and they've drunk, they've had wine with their lunch. And so it's a time of drunkenness in the in the laws as we learned after the story of Nadav and Aviyu, that once you have a little bit of wine or revius of wine is like three ounces of wine, you cannot serve in the temple. So Let's wait until the morning when everybody's completely sober. Uh, because now it's not a time that is appropriate to go in front of God. Now, really what Moshe had in mind was to push them off till the morning. Let them sleep on it. Maybe they're going to change their minds and do teshuva and retract what they're saying. This is reminiscent of what happens with 
with Aaron, when they come with the golden calf, he says, let's do it tomorrow. He says, Boike, let's do it in the morning. What should they do in the morning? Verse 6, this is what you should do. Take for yourself censers, which is like shovels. Now, why does, why, does, why does he suggest this? Says Rashi that he said to them that in the way of the nations, that they have many forms of worship and they have many priests, but we have only one God and we have one Torah. In other words, Judaism is um, characterized by oneness, oneness of God. And that oneness expresses itself in the fact that we have one ark, we have one Torah. It reminds me of the guy who said, these are my uh, these are my principles, and if you don't like them, I got other principles. But in Judaism, there's one God, there's one Torah, there's one altar, there's one Kohen Gadol, and you, the 250 men, you're asking for Kohen Gadol. You all want to be the Kohen Gadol. It doesn't work that way. And Rashi says, "Afani I also would love to be the Kohen Gadol, but the, but there can only be one. And he says the the greatest. Service of the Kohen Gadol, the Chaviv Mikol, the most precious of all the services is the Ketores. It's the most precious. It gets to the essence. It's not to deal with the animal side. It's in the inner part of the of the of the temple. It deals with the, the essence of the soul. It doesn't come for, for as an atonement for sin. It's Kesher Ketores. Comes the word Kesher, which means a bond. It's just strengthening that bond and experiencing that bond with God. But it also has. It's dangerous for some hamavis nasim b'seichay. If it's misused, it could be death. Sheboy nisivu nadav naviu nadav naviu died with the ketores. They were burnt. Therefore, he warns them. You should know. By the way, you're all going to be offering incense, but it's only one. The one that God chooses, He is the holy one. He's already been sanctified, and he says to them, I'm telling you in advance that he's only, only the one who is chosen by God. He's going to come out alive. The rest of you, if you offer this incense and you're not really the chosen one, what happened to you? What happened to Nadab and Avil? You should put fire upon them and put upon them, verse 7, in front of God tomorrow. And it'll be the man that God chooses. He is the holy one. Rav Lachem B'nei Levi. They use, he uses the same words that they said to him. And he says, Rashi tells us, I told you something very significant, meaning this is a dangerous game that you're playing here. Now, Koirach, Rashi says, Koirach was a pikeach. Koirach was very wise. So what did he see to be fall into this folly? Says Rashi, his eye, his vision, made him make a mistake. He had prophetic vision and he saw this great chain coming from him and he had a descendant many, many generations later named Shmuel, Samuel the prophet, who was equal in greatness to Moshe and Aaron. And this was a descendant of Korach. So he says, in his merit of Samuel, I'm going to be saved over here and God is going to choose me. And 24 watches are going to come all are going to prophecy and he says is it possible that all this greatness is coming for me and I should be silent therefore he got involved to take this kahuna because he heard from Moshe that all are going to, to, to die except for one that's going to, to be saved and he thought that's going to be him he made a mistake and thought it's going to be him 
but he didn't see well because it wasn't because his son what it's true he was going to have a descendant named Shemuel but it was going to come from his children who would do teshuva who would repent after first going along with Korach they would later repent they would live Korach would die and it's from their descendants that Shemuel would come Moshe however saw what was going to happen Ravachem verse 8 Shemuel says to Levi listen up sons of Levi now Rashi says something interesting here. Look, if you look at the verse, it says, Vayemir Moshel Koirach. Moshe said to Koirach, but then it says, listen up, sons of Levi. So who's he talking to? Is he talking to Koirach or is he talking to Levi? Furthermore, the word Vayomer versus Vayidaber is a soft speech. So let's see what Rashi says. He started speaking to them, Devarim Rakim, soft words. But when he saw that Korach was stubborn, he wasn't answering, he wasn't answering Moshe. He was, he knew that Moshe would, 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 um, was smarter than him, and so he would convince him. So he just was ignoring him. So when he ignored him, he was being stubborn. He said, Moshe said to himself, I better do something so that the other tribes or the rest of the tribe of Levi doesn't get involved and is not destroyed with him. So he turns to the children of Levi, rest of the tribe. Yeah, it should be rest of the tribe, not rest of the tribes. So he began to speak, listen up, sons of Levi. Says, is it not enough for you that God separated you, Lord of, of Israel, separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring him close to you to serve the Avodah, the, the worship in the Mishkan of God, and to stand in front of the congregation Lasharsam to sing on the platform? And he brought you close and all your children. And now, Vikashtim Gamki Huna, you're asking also for priesthood. Therefore, you and all your congregation who are assembling. Al Hashem, you're assembling against God. Va'arin mahu and Aaron, what is he? Kisalino, love that you should make complaints against him. Said so Rashi says, It was in God. God is the one who told me to make Aaron the Kohen Gadol, and so this is not our argument. You should have your complaints against God and not against us. Verse 12, Aishlach Moshe, Moshe now sends to call Dasan and Aviram, the sons of Elev, and they said, we will not go up. Says Rashi, this teaches us that we try not to maintain a dispute. Moshe does something amazing here. Dasan and Aviram had been rebelling against him again and again. He could have said, be done with them. But instead, he tries to make peace one last time with Dasan and Aviram, and he sends a message to them to come to him and talk. They say, we will not go up, says Rashi. They didn't say, we will not come. They said, we will not go up. Actually, they were prophesying what would happen to them, that they would have a descent into the open pit. Verse 13, what did they say? Chutzpah. They said, Moses, not only you took us out from Egypt, which they, they describe as the land flowing with milk and honey, to cause us to die in the desert, he should also exercise authority over us. And that's the cliffhanger that our Parsha ends with. And we will continue tomorrow with what happens.